Welcome to Wednesday Night at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. Well, when you walked in, you should have gotten a little sheet of paper with an outline so that you can follow along with us this evening. So if you will find that, if you didn't get one, ushers are looking around, just raise your hand, get their attention, and they'll see that you can have one to follow along with us if you would. So anybody else need one down here? Okay. Great. Well, it's Wednesday night. We do a Bible study. So we're going through the book of Esther. We're going to go through Esther chapter 4 tonight. Chapter 1, the king throws a party, makes a request of the king. She tells him no. She's done. Two, chapter 2, the king searches the country to find a new queen. Esther is chosen. Chapter 3, this guy by the name of Haman has this edifice complex, wants to be in charge and large and, you know, and so he convinces the king to allow him to issue an edict that will wipe out the entire Jewish nation. And now we're at chapter 4. So chapter 4 begins with the response of Mordecai. What, what's he do? Remember, Mordecai is related to Esther. He's, he adopted her when she lost her parents, and so she, he has raised her He's a relative. And so here's his response. He finds out about what's gone on. When Mordecai learned about all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on burlap and ashes, and went out into the city crying with a loud and bitter wail. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I didn't live at that time because when I'm sad, I'd have to put on burlap and ashes. That just, you know why they did that? Burlap... It itches. It makes you uncomfortable. It, it declares, you know, ashes. I'm sorrowful. It just expresses the mourning. They're very good at that. Verse 2, he went as far as the gate of the palace, for no one was allowed to enter the palace gate while weeping or while wearing the clothes or while in this kind of mourning. No one could go there. Verse 3, so as news of the king's decree reached all the providences, there was great mourning among the Jews. They fasted, they wept, they wailed, and many people lay in burlap and ashes. So all throughout the country, there it is. So when he finds out what has happened and the edict that's been given, he responds appropriately. Oh no, God, what do I do? How is this going to take place? So that's his response. Now, then the relief of Esther. Esther hears about this. She doesn't know everything that's been going on, but she hears about it, and so she offers relief. When Queen Esther and the maids and, you know, the eunuchs, and they came and told her about Mordecai, and she was deeply distressed, and she sent clothing to him to replace the burlap, but he's not going to be consoled. He's not going to guy into it. I don't want it. I don't need it. I'm sad, I'm sorrowful, I'm mad, I'm not going to take this. So, the request of Esther. Now, this chapter just kind of goes back and forth. So, she tries to make things better. Then she finds out he's not going to take it, he's not going to do it. Verse 5, so Esther sent for 
Haddock. Now, we're, I'm not, not going to say this guy's name every time because he, he's just going to go back and forth, back and forth. Esther sends him here. Marikai sends him back, back and forth. So we're just going to call him the messenger because that's what he's doing. He's Esther's servant. He's there. So she sends him and he, he begins to, to be there. He's taking care of her. And she ordered him to go to Mordecai and find out what was troubling him, why he was in mourning. She was unaware of all that had happened. She didn't know what was taking place. So she said, okay, I sent the clothing. I tried to give you some relief. You don't want it. Why? What's going on? I want to know. And so the request of Mordecai. What does he do? (laughs) He went to Mordecai in the square in the front of the palace gate. He told him the whole story. Now notice what he tells him including the exact amount of money that Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. Haman, Mordecai had all the inside information. So he tells the messenger, do you know what's going on? This guy Haman, he went in and he bought the king. He got the king to agree to this because he paid him. Mordecai gave the messenger a copy of the decree that was issued in Susa that called for the death of the Jews. And he asked him, show it to Esther. Explain it to her and tell her about the situation. He also asked the messenger, you know, direct her to go to the king and beg for mercy and plead for people. And, you know, show this to her. Tell her what's going on. Tell her why it happened. And then ask her to do something. So he returns to Esther with Mordecai's message. Now we have the reply of Esther. She sends, he comes back, he goes back. Here's how Esther replies. Esther told him, she said, go back and replay this message to Mordecai. All the king's officials and even the people in the providences know that anyone who appears before the king in his inner court without being invited is doomed to die unless the king holds out his gold scepter and the king is not called for me to come to him for 30 days. So she can't just walk in. Well, she's the queen. He's still the king. He's still in charge. And so she knows I haven't been there and I haven't been there for 30 days. I mean, this isn't something, you know, she's Jewish. Now remember, the king had already gotten rid of one queen because she didn't do things right. So what's another one? You can always find another queen. Sorry. So she says, Mordecai, do you understand what you're asking me? You know this guy. You know what he's done. You know his history. You know what's been going on. And you want me to go in and talk to him? I'd be putting my life on the line. So Mordecai replies, The messenger (laughs) gives Esther the message to Mordecai, and Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. It's just back and forth. Aren't you glad to get a cell phone? You just pick it up, call and talk, and have it out. Here, it's messenger to messenger, messenger, send the messenger, go back. Here's what he says to her. So, some classic words. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all the other Jews are killed. 
It's possible that the king and the others still weren't aware that she's a Jew. It's possible still. He says, look, you think nothing's going to happen to you? Think again. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. These classic words, you've probably heard them. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. This is your moment. Now, I want to make some comments about this. And again, you got the text thing. If you want to ask a question, you can text us. The number's at the top of your page there. But let's look at this. and Let's make sure we understand this because this is just rich in what's in there. First of all, many times God's opportunity seems like a problem. Many times when you have the opportunity to do something for God, it just seems like, hold it, this can't be it. If I had the opportunity, things would be going much better. And Esther doesn't see an opportunity. She sees a problem. Now, how many of you know that when you see a problem, what do you do? You try to get away from it, don't you? You try to go around it. You don't want to embrace it. You don't want to walk towards it. You want away from it. And you want away from it quick. But Mordecai reminded, look, Esther, got an opportunity here. And she says, but it's a problem. And many times in our lives, when God wants you to do something, opportunities are often disguised as a problem. And you've got to have some spiritual eyes to be able to see that. Secondly, there are many reasons not to pursue God's opportunity. What if he doesn't call me? What if I don't have the time to do this? What if I put myself in a dangerous place? What's this going to cost me? How much am I going to have to be involved? I don't know that I got the talent to do it. I don't know that I got the resources to follow through. Because you know what? When we see an opportunity, there's a problem. We try to figure out ways to get away, don't we? And so I don't think I can. I don't think this will work. You know, I, I, I just don't think it's me. And I've told you this story before. Many times there's people who refuse what God wants because they don't think they're qualified. How many times has someone maybe come to people in the church and say, hey, we've got a position we would like for you to fill it. We think you're qualified. Before you, you have an opportunity, don't you? Hello, answer me. Yes, you do. But many times, you know what happens? You see it as a problem, don't you? And when you see it as a problem, what's the next thing you do? You start giving reasons of why you can't do it, don't you? Why I shouldn't do it. Why I'm incapable of doing it. Why it can't be done. Why it shouldn't be done that way. You got somebody else. I don't have the time. I don't think I'm good enough. I don't think I could do this. And God says, here's an opportunity. Do you want it or not? Well, God, it's a problem. He says, of course it is. And so he gives you the opportunity. We think of reasons not to do it. That's what Esther was doing. Don't think that your inaction will protect you. 
Don't think you saying no and walking away will happen. There's a price for your unwillingness. Mordecai reminds her of that. Esther, look, if you don't do this, you've got an opportunity here. God's laid it out before you. You're in the position that he's wanted you to be in. You've come to the time now to this. And here it is, Esther. And don't think for a moment you think, well, I can't do this. Okay, that's fine. But understand something. You're going to die if you don't. There's going to be a price to pay for your unwillingness. I wonder if when we get to heaven, I don't think we will, but I think it would be good for us if we could look back on our life and see all the opportunities we missed because they were problems, because we had an excuse, because we didn't have the time, because I don't want to have to deal with it, because it's not convenient, because I'm not talented enough. And that's the card Esther's playing here. I can't. I shouldn't. I could die. (laughs) There's always a price to pay for not doing it. And Mordecai reminds her of that. You don't do this, Esther. Don't think you're just walking away. There's going to be a problem here. Understand that God will accomplish his purpose. And Mordecai tells her that. He says, look, if you don't do it, God will use somebody else. God will get his plan, purpose accomplished. You can say no, God will use somebody. I've told you this story before. A famous evangelist has won millions to Christ in crusades overseas. And if I gave you his name, you would know him. I remember sitting in a room with him and some others talking about how he knew God called him. And he said, well, I said, God, why would you choose me? And God said, look, you're not the first person. You're just the first person to say yes. I've called others. They saw a problem. Because if you don't do it, God will use somebody else. It's going to happen. And he says to her, you know what? You can do this. Maybe that's why you're here. The people need you. And thus, there are people who need what you have to offer. You're here at this moment. You're here at this time. Why are you here on this earth for this moment? And maybe the very thing we've said no to because it was a problem and didn't fit our schedule or we didn't understand it or we didn't like it or we didn't think we had the talent for it was the moment. And Mordecai tries to bring that up in front of her. It matters. One person can make a difference. And Esther, you come for this moment. You've come. And thus perhaps, this is the moment that God has designed for you. This time. This time. So, you know, the story unfolds. Esther's now aware. Mordecai says, here's what you need to do. Esther pushes back and says, if I go and I'm not achieved, I'll die. And the chances and the odds are very great, I'll die. They're not in my favor. It doesn't look good. I don't think I should. You don't know what you're asking. I can't do it. I shouldn't do it. Someone else can do it. Mordecai pushes back on her. Esther, if you don't, 
Don't think for a moment you're going to get through this and nothing's going to happen. God will find somebody. And maybe you're here for this moment. Maybe you're here for this time. And that's what he does to her. So now we have the reply of Esther. He comes back at her. Esther sent this message to Mordecai. Okay, go back and tell him this. Here's what she says. Go and gather together all of the Jews of Susa and fast for me. She doesn't say pray, she just says fast. Prayer's probably involved, but it's the fasting that she asks for. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids will do the same. I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go to see the king. If I die, I die. Wow. That's a change of heart, right? So Mordecai went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him to do. Esther knew what she had to do. She needed favor from the king. She knew the odds were against her. But she listened to what this man, who she respected, said to her and said, he's right. It's not in my favor. I don't think I'm talented. But if I die, I die. You will probably never be certain that this is your time. You have an opportunity. Jump at it. Well, is this what God made me to do? Only one way you're going to know, isn't it? You're never going to know if you walk away from it, are you? You're only going to know if you step into it. There's this great story in the book of Samuel. In 1 Samuel, it's about Jonathan, and he has an armor bearer, uh, an aide, so to speak, somebody who kind of carries his equipment, somebody who goes with him. You know, after all, he's the king's son, and they, he needs a little protection. And there's this great story. It's, it's he and Jonathan and the armor bearer, you know, come on, let's go over where the Philistines have their outposts. They're at war, they're at battle. And so Jonathan says, look, I'm tired of sitting around camp here. Let's just go over and see what's going on. And Jonathan didn't tell his father what he was doing. So they snuck out of town, so to speak. They snuck out of the encampment. They left. Let's go across to the outpost of these pagans. Let's go see what's going on. I don't want to just sit here. I want to go do something. Perhaps the Lord, hold it. There's a word there that I just cannot believe. If I'm going to go against those pagans, I want more than a perhaps. Right? I'm going to do this. I want, I want a guarantee. I want to know this is it. I, I want it written in stone, so to speak. I want to know this is going to work. I want to know this is what I got to do. But Jonathan says to his armor bearers, they going up there. He goes, you know, it's two against the Philistines. Perhaps the Lord will help us. I just want more than perhaps. For nothing can hinder 
the Lord. He can win a battle whether he has many warriors or only a few. Perhaps. Now, that's bad enough, but he's got this armor bearer with him. And if I'm the armor bearer, are you crazy? Perhaps. You don't have a plan here? And they don't. Well, we'll go up. If they say, come on up, we'll go up. And if they don't, we'll go. You know, that's it. Well, what are you going to do when you get up there? I don't know. Perhaps God will take care of us. Perhaps it'll all work out. But the armor bearer says, do what you think is best. I'm with you completely. Whatever you decide. Now, which one of them had more faith? (laughs) They both did, right? Perhaps. You see, we've lost our sense of stepping out in faith, haven't we? We've lost our sense of obedience. We've lost our sense of privilege to serve. Opportunities come and go, and, well, I don't like this one. I'll maybe try that one. I'm not sure about this. Perhaps it's God. That's where Esther's at, isn't it? Well, if I die, I die. Not certain. We got any questions yet? Okay. So just one, do you think Mordecai is afraid? I don't think he's afraid. I think he's burdened for the people of Israel. And I think that'll play out in the chapters ahead. Uh, I don't think it's fear that's driving him. I think it's sorrow, it's grief, it's anger, it's righteous indignation. It's him taking a stand knowing that you're going to wipe out my people? No. There is often a risk to follow God's plan. Sometimes you have to risk everything when you're going to do what God wants you to do. Let me just tell you something. If you're about to do something for God and you don't feel a risk in it, it's probably not God. There's usually always a risk because she had the opportunity to do something, no guarantees. Sometimes the opportunity is the open door because there's an element of fear to overcome. Was Esther afraid? You bet she was. Sure, who wouldn't be, right? There's always that element that you and I have to do. But as we've talked about before, fear never rules your life. Only the fear of God. Because if you let fear dictate your decision-making process, you will miss every opportunity God has, and you will not accomplish what God wants to accomplish through you. Fear should never be in charge of your life. Never. Well, how do I overcome fear? Very simple. It's this great word called faith. I believe God. I believe he's able. Because faith without action is not faith. Faith acts. Esther says, okay, that's the way it is. That's the way it'll be. If I die, I die. Another great story. We read about when we went through the book of Daniel. 
It's the three Hebrew children. They're about to go into the fiery furnace. They're not going to bow. They know they can't. They're going to obey God. And so they respond to the king, you know, is your God going to take care of you? You know I'm going to do this to you. It's going to happen. You're going to die. What do you have to say about that? And here's what they say. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But if he doesn't, we want to make it clear. We will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you've set up. If I die, I die. That's life. If I fail, I fail. I would rather fail having tried than not try. Then miss the opportunity. So they come to that point. Okay, I understand this. There's a risk here. We like playing it safe. We want to guarantee. We want to know this is going to work. Well, I'm just waiting for God to speak to me. God's spoken to you. You just don't like what he's saying. God's opened the door. You just don't want to go through it. You're stubborn. You're afraid. You're letting the wrong thing direct your step. You're listening to the voice of fear. You're listening to the wrong voice. Do what you need to do, what God's promised you to do, what God's leading you to do. Well, but I don't know. You're right, we don't. But that's where faith is involved. I trust God enough to believe that as I do this, he's going to take care of me. Because after all, It's not about me. It's really not about Esther. It's about God. It's never about you. It's about God. And so she is going to do it. Three days. Next week we'll pick it up, but one more point. Our entrance into the king's presence means a death to self. When the opportunity is there, you have to die to you. If I die, I die. If it's done, it's done. But I'm going to follow God. I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to obey. And thus we have this great passage in Revelation chapter 12. Heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of God and the authority of his Christ for the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth. You see, when you have the opportunity, there's this accuser standing beside you saying, you can't do it. You can't afford to do it. You're going to fail. You better not. You better stop. Giving you all kinds of reasons. You're no good. The one who accuses them before our God day and night. And they, us, have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. Our testimony is our life that has been lived, isn't it? 
and they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. If I die, I die. Who knows? Maybe you're here at this moment for such a time as this. But I don't think I can. There's a lot of risk involved in it. Don't think that your excuses will work. If I die, I die. But I'm going to die obeying God. No matter what happens, I have to die to self and I'm willing to give my life to serve God no matter what. So is that how you live? That's what Esther did. It's what Mordecai helped her do. It's what she's about to do. I'll go do it. It's me. It's my moment. The opportunity's there. And you and I will have opportunities day after day before us. We have all kinds of reason to let them go by. But you and I live for those moments when God can use us to accomplish his plan. And if I die, I die. What a great way to live, huh? Yeah. So as we go tonight, what's your moment? Is it now? Your moment will come. Are you willing to embrace it and step into it? Father, we thank you tonight for how you accomplish what you want to accomplish on this earth by using us. And Lord, none of us are qualified, but you're not looking for the qualified because you will qualify us. We're not very talented, but it's not up to our ability, it's up to yours. We don't know always what to say, but You've promised to give us the words that we need. Lord, there's a little element of fear, but as we keep our eyes fixed on you, the author and the finisher of our faith, you help us to go forward. So Lord, just as we've seen tonight about this lady who is willing to take this moment, would you help us to be willing to take our moments in life, knowing that you want to use us to accomplish your plans. So help us to be willing to lay it all down so that we can be obedient to you and you can be glorified in our lives. We go from this place to do that. In thy name we pray. And everybody said, amen. God bless you as you go. Thank you for joining us for tonight's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We also gather on Sunday mornings at 8.15 and 10.45 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next time for Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. Faith Assembly's Wednesday night is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.